0: the truth news
1: network harlan ellison
2: was adamant that the great evils of this country are forged in television and this was 50 years ago today that tiny window is 80 inches wide and dominates american homes and that tiny focused image is now high definition graphics with stereo sound magazine models reading teleprompters and we're buried in highly crafted propaganda telling us to stifle thought What to do. (laughs) Dig out the truth. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And to start shoveling, here's Dan Newman.
1: Let me ask you just to lend me your mind for a few hours today, like a couple of hours. And uh, we'll take a look inside. We'll do a deep dive for you so you won't have to do it. No, 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 no. That's not what we do here, folks, at TNN Live we give you the facts, not our partisan spin, but the facts. And we trust you and we encourage you to make your own decisions about everything based totally on facts. And when you get the things we told you, don't just automatically assume, hey, TNN said this, Truth News Network published this, so it's got to be true. We appreciate your thoughts and feelings about that, but with it comes a challenge. Go verify the facts. Find us wrong when we're wrong so that you can make the right choice in all of your decisions. If we'll each do that, I mean each and every one of us, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We're not going to rely on other people to think for us. In my household, that happens occasionally, but it's because Marianne and I have been married 47 years. I trust her. She trusts me. And instead of having one individual that has to make a perspective for the family on every issue, we share that responsibility. And it works pretty well. She learned a long time ago, not to question anything I say. Eh, And you don't believe that. You shouldn't believe that. I would never tell her to do that. I don't know if I would uh, survive that conversation. There would most certainly be violence, and it may just be from her mouth excoriating her 47 years of getting to know a little bit about me. Hey, everybody, I hope you had a great day yesterday. Here we are at midweek already. Oh, my gosh this week is flying by. They seem to fly by when there are a lot of things happening around us and we get caught up in watching the other things. And then all of a sudden, a day is gone. A week is gone. And we look back and say, what did I accomplish during this week? That's something each of us need to learn to take a look-see. And even if it's a short analysis, an analysis of how we ended up Yesterday, what did we accomplish? What did we neglect? What could we have done a little better? And if you'll do that every day, you don't get caught up on the weekends looking back, saying, "OMG, I failed! I did this wrong! I should have done this instead! I didn't go there! I should have gone!" The should-haves, could-haves, will kill you, and it will certainly destroy your ability to produce in every area of your life, in any area of your life. So don't beat yourself up. Let me just turn this spiritual for just a moment. Yesterday morning at early prayer meeting, six, six o'clock prayer meeting, um, I made a statement to the guys, and there were there were there are three of us up front and there were about 45 or 50 guys out in the audience. And I told them, When it comes to dealing with the necessity of getting or giving, not or, getting and giving forgiveness, there are three types of forgiveness and they're all mandatory for us to be able to live on an even keel. The obvious one is praying for God to forgive us for our wrongdoing, our sins, and we should do that regularly. Number two, and a tough one, is forgiveness of others. Now, that's probably the toughest for most of us. Not for all of us, but for most of us. Why is that? We get hurt. We get used. We get abused. And it happens far more than any of us would like to say it's happening. We don't like to see it happen. But guess what? Humans have fatal flaws that are endemic. They're there from the beginning, and not everybody is willing to get those out of their lives and get them behind them like you and I have. Not everybody's willing to do that. And so it's going to be impossible for you in every case to settle every argument with an agreement to make everybody that has hurt you, wronged you in any way, accept it and accept responsibility and seek your forgiveness. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. You say the Lord's Prayer quite often. I mean, we've said it, most of us, our entire lives. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. now What does that mean? Forgive us for our trespasses, our sin, as. As is the big word in the Lord's prayer that most of us have just scooted right through all our lives. So what does it mean, Dan? Well, look up the word as. Let me give you the Short version of the Webster's, three different things. As means at the same time, while, or in the same proportion. Think about that. We're praying to God and saying, Father, would you forgive me at the same time I'm forgiving others? And of course, the obvious part of that is we're saying to God, don't forgive me unless I'm forgiving others. How about the second part of that? Forgive me, Lord, to the same degree that I forgive others that have wronged me. And then the third one, the big one, Father, don't forgive me unless and until I forgive those who have sinned against me. Here's the lesson. If we don't forgive others, we're not going to be forgiven. I didn't say it. It's right there in the Bible. And then the third type of forgiveness and we're going to scoot through this and get on to the show. Third type of forgiveness. Forgiveness of yourself. For many people that is the number 1 hardest type of forgiveness to live in. It's tough. And of course, I don't know if you believe the devil is a theory. The devil is an actual entity. But if it's not, if he's not a he, if he's not an actual being, and I believe he is, I believe he's a fallen angel, he's out there working 24-7 to do the opposite things that our creator is doing for us. And he'll beat you over the head 24-7 to make you believe you're not worth being forgiven? How could you ask for forgiveness? You're not worthy. None of us would ever be forgiven if it was based upon worthiness. The only reason any of us can be forgiven by God, will be forgiven by God, is because he loves us, simply because he loves us. Little short get together on the front end of today's show. Does this mean we don't have a lot to discuss? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, we have a lot to discuss. We do. But as we always do, how about a little music to tart this show with Michael McDonald?
0: This falls to many. Of There's far too many of you dying. You know we got to find a way.
1: friend of mine produced that album for michael mcdonald tommy sims you may not know it but in a lot of music that came out of the 70s and 80s you heard tommy sims both doing vocals but playing bass really good producer and that's a really good uh marvin gay cover there by michael mcdonald greatest voice in america i guess maybe the most different famous voice deep, deep, deep Michael McDonald sound. Nobody else has. Well, you want to get down to business? You want to start business with some news from Ukraine? Our White House is set to approve. Now, I like the terminology, set to approve. What does that mean? They hadn't approved it yet. They're just throwing it out there saying, hey, we're ready to go to approve sending advanced M1 Abrams main battle tanks to Ukraine. These are the big ones, the very sophisticated ones, the ones that the Russians are afraid of. And President Zelensky from Ukraine has been asking our president for these these particular M1 Abrams tanks from the very beginning of the war, and he wouldn't do it. Baden wouldn't do it. The U.S. announcement is expected to spark a similar one by Berlin approving Poland's request to transfer German-made Leopard 2 tanks, a lighter version, according to one official. And that was green-lighted overnight, and it was green-lighted by Germany simply because they waited for the United States to make a move. It's interesting. It's interesting. These are all NATO allies that we have over there. Not Ukraine, but these other countries. And they look to us. NATO allies. NATO. NATO has nothing to do with the United States. We're across the Atlantic Ocean. NATO is us in cahoots with all these countries in Europe. In other words, we're the big brother. With are the watchdog. They look to us for anything. Associated Press reports that decision to send 30-plus tanks could be announced as soon as Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. This news came out late yesterday. Why wait 18 hours? I'm sure there's a reason for it. They're all playing chess. Who's going to go first? They're scared to death. Of Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, he's a little bitty guy, but he has got our leaders in Washington, D.C. scared to death. At every turn of anything to do with this Ukraine war, and it is now a war, anything to do with it, the first thing that pops up when a decision is necessary is what is Vladimir Putin going to think about this? Who cares what he thinks? You can't deal with him based upon what he thinks because you'll never know what he thinks. He purposely does that. He operates that way. People that work for him and with him, they never know for sure where he is in his thinking. I mean, come on, if he was a logical thinker, would there be a Ukraine war going on right now? No. Nothing that he has done in Ukraine makes any sense. So Russia today, overnight while you were sleeping, they warned that Germany's decision to send these tanks to Ukraine is extremely dangerous. And Russia saying, Russian television is saying it'll take the conflict to a new level. So this tank stuff has been on the table for months, and nobody would stick their toe in the water first. It was us, and then immediately Germany did. Nobody wants to go in by themselves, and I get that. Those countries over there, they've all been invaded by Russia at some time or another. World War II was horrible. Even before that, Russia was rampant at going out and taking this country. They took Ukraine. And Ukraine was once a bunch of m- smaller countries within it. We don't have any leadership in D.C. that is strong enough, that is, um, what term am I looking for? That is brilliant enough to come up with the game plan and then pull all the players on our side, pull them together in a room, and then be the leader in the room and say, here's what we need to do. Here's what the United States is prepared to do. We need every one of you to sign off on it. If they would do that, whatever the plan is, I'll bet you the unity would go international. Everybody would see The NATO nations have been divided. Nobody has any idea where our president is in his thinking about anything, let alone a war over there in Ukraine, let alone that war being prompted by an invasion of Russia. Everybody is scared to death of Vladimir Putin. Don't know what he'll do. He's winning the war because of that. On the ground? definitely not winning the roar. I have a friend who is very close to a media person, all kinds of different medias this guy does. He's well known. He's been in the United States for years and about five years ago, he decided to immigrate and go back to Russia. He gets over there and about a year ago, he starts making phone calls back over here wanting us to help him get back to the United States to get legal status. You know why? He's 57 years old. Vladimir Putin is about to start drafting people that are younger than 60 years old. Why is that? (laughs) All of the younger men are already in the service, the Russia service, or they're dead. Putin's having to draft fifty-seven-year-old people. Our friend is scared to death he's gonna be drafted. And we'll end up in Ukraine fighting a war as a fifty-seven-year-old. Anytime you personally, in your business, in your relationships, When you make decisions based on fear, seldom are they right. In those situations where you don't have the expertise, you haven't thought it through, you don't have the confidence in yourself, those who are involved in that issue with you, you're going to fail. Most of the time, you're going to fail. And you know what? Vladimir Putin knows this is going on, and he is sitting in Moscow And he's laughing because he's the puppeteer. NATO countries led by the United States of America are the marionettes dangling from Vladimir Putin. So we got enough problems going on back at home. We have a new session, the 118th Congressional Session. We have a Republican-controlled House. And so far, I got to be honest with you, Kevin McCarthy, the newly appointed, elected, whatever term you want to use, Speaker of the House, he's doing a good job. He's doing what he said he would do. I thought he would be really tentative, and it's anything but tentative. I guess the biggest thing that's happened this week is who's going to serve on the Intelligence Committee in the House. Adam Schiff has been there for a long time. He, of course, is a Democrat from California. Swalwell, another Democrat from California, he's been on that committee. Kevin McCarthy, he put the word out, I'm not going to allow them to serve on the Intelligence Committee. Now, the Speaker of the House has that right to do that, to determine who will serve on that committee and historically— until the last Congress, the hundred seventeenth Congress. Whoever the minority party leader decided would serve on a committee, the speaker would tell that person how many seats are there, and typically there's one more one more in the majority party on these committees than their minority members on it. But the minority leader gets to choose, in this case it would be the Democrat leader gets to choose, Hakeem Jeffries, what Democrats will serve on the Intelligence Committee. Nancy Pelosi blew that up. It was a tradition. It had been in place forever. Never in history had the minority leader of any party been told by the majority leader, these people can't serve on this committee or that committee. Nancy Pelosi determined that. Kevin McCarthy was a minority leader. Nancy Pelosi was the majority leader. And he had to get approval from the Speaker Pelosi for anybody he put on any committee. So what did he do? Quid pro quo. He told them. He said, we don't have to go down this road again, but we're in this Congress, the 118th. We're going to do exactly what you did In the last one, quid pro quo. If you want to keep this going forward, it's gonna be ugly every time. We need to go back to tradition. But this time, on the House Intelligence Committee, Eric Swalwell, Adam Schiff are not gonna serve on this committee. And it has blown the Democrat Party up. Hakeem Jeffries is going crazy. He's the minority leader. He's going crazy. But it's the exact same thing that happened in the last Congress. But they're Democrats. They're supposed to be able to do anything they want, right? Yeah, right. Oh, by the way, this came out yesterday. I don't know why it came out yesterday. But some more documents showed up at Joe Biden's home in Wilmington. Did you hear about this one? This announcement was made late Saturday. Bob Bauer, not somebody from the Department of Justice, Bob Bauer. Who was he? Biden's personal attorney. He didn't say what the number of those were. And another batch of classified documents showed up. These showed up in the personal safe of the former vice president. This is unbelievable. Mike Pence, one of the cleanest, most honest people I've ever known in politics at that level as vice president. And they announced that he found some in his safe at his home. There are some differences there. They were in a package that had not been unsealed. And that package has just been set in the safe. Pence did not turn them in. Attorneys turned them in. And it was still sealed. This DocuGate just gets bigger and bigger, wider and wider. It's consuming more and more people. How long is this going to go on? How widespread is DocuGate? Obviously, it impacts both parties, both of the major parties, Democrats and Republicans. And the Democrats are going crazy because they lost the one arrow they still had left in their quiver to use against former President Donald Trump to keep him from running for president in 2024. What's that arrow? It's to be able to find something big enough to convince the American people. Maybe it's an indictment from the Department of Justice. That would be the coup d'etat, the thing that would give them exactly what they needed to keep Trump from running again. But then their favorite child in the White House, his, uh, and, and I've heard everybody going back and forth, the conservatives, uh, the DOJ didn't act fairly in this whole thing. They didn't give former President Trump, any notice. They stormed his home. Big deal. Grabbed all kind of documents, a lot of personal stuff included with it. They didn't do the same thing to Joe Biden. In fact, the Department of Justice has basically turned over all of the searching to President Biden's folks. They've none, uh, not done any of it themselves. And then, of course, Mike Pence now. And it's like every two or three days, more Biden documents show up. So how's this going to end? You know, with this government, with this attorney general, I have no idea how it's going to end. You would think that it would end like, no, they're there. Nobody gets prosecuted. There's nothing there. Everybody gets a slap on the wrist and just don't do it again. But you never know. Merrick Garland, he's little more than the mouthpiece of the Democrat Party leaders in Congress. Who would that be? Democrat leaders, Hakeem Jeffries, minority leader over in the House, and then Chuck Schumer in the Senate. And whatever they tell the AG to do, that's pretty much what he's done. They may push and push and push, continue to go down this road with going after Trump and force Merrick Garland to do something grandiose, get it on the middle of the stage, but wait a few months. We want to get into the 2024 election cycle, which probably will start in the fall of this year or early winter next year. We have election insanity going on all the time. You know, it's every two years for Congress, every four years for President, every six years for U.S. Senators. So those things overlap. It's like every fall we have an election, and they're all critical now. Billions, tens, hundreds of billions of dollars in campaign funding. It's crazy how much money people are giving to candidates that supposedly are going to vote for the betterment, for the good of the people they represent, not the people that write the big, big checks. That's rarely happening. It is. And then we have a president that sits in office and almost every day about every issue that he's confronted with, and his staff tries to keep him away from any media people, no one-on-one stuff. When's the last time you saw him in a press briefing in the White House? Taking questions. (laughs) And if he takes questions, most of the time you can't even understand what he's saying. And when he says what he says, in many cases... It's a bunch of lies. Now, this didn't just happen all of a sudden. He's got a career, a political career, long time, 50-plus years in Washington, D.C. His only job, he's an attorney, but his only real job has been in politics. And, and of course, if you get in politics, you're going to lie. You're going to embellish. So Americans have just kind of blown this part of the Joe Biden administration We've blown it off because you know what? That's just the way he is. He's in the midst of cognitive decline and we're watching it happen. It slips a little further every day, every week, and it's noticeable. That happens to most 80 year old people. I'm not talking about, you know, dementia, but I'm talking about having memory problems, lapses. Uh, Forgetting what you're saying in mid-sentence. That happens to me already, and I'm not 70 yet. In some, it comes sooner, but most people get that at the end of the road. My mother-in-law that passed away January 1st at 97, she was right with us until the last few months. I hope that's the way it happens to me and for me. But anyway, none of Biden's truthfulness problems is lost on anybody in the u.s and elsewhere on the planet they're right there with it too they see it and they wonder what's going on
3: now we know many politicians have a strange relationship with the truth they lie embellish and evade but there are not too many politicians or even just regular human beings, for that matter, who deliberately and repeatedly tell the sort of bold-faced lies that can be immediately debunked. But that's what Joe Biden has done throughout his political career. For 50 years, he has repeated verifiable lies over and over again. And yet he has been elevated to the most powerful office in the world. We've brought you examples of his habitual lying as president. But let's take a stroll down memory lane and look at Joe Biden's extravagant plagiarizing and lying. And you may be shocked to know his dodgy ways were evident even in college. Joseph Biden
4: admitted today that he committed plagiarism when he was in law school. He said it was a mistake, but that it was unintentional.
5: He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. I've done some dumb things and I'll do dumb things again. He was given an F. So ladies and gentlemen, I've been dumb. To the political community in Washington, it all seems of a piece. Plagiarism at law school, plagiarism on the stump. The great communicator, strike that the great imitator. You don't steal verbatim, uh, or when you do as he did 99% of the time, you give credit. Biden's critics say he sells himself as a man whose words and visions can inspire a new generation in politics, but if the thoughts, phrases, and visions really belong to others, it's a form of false advertising.
2: Senator Joseph Biden may have more explaining to do.
5: The new questions stem from we taped remarks of, of Biden States. during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. The I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school, and 165 credits, only 123 credits.
2: Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class that he does not have three degrees from college and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class and won only one degree, not three.
6: Joe
5: Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School.
6: I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right.
2: His memory had failed
3: claimed his memory failed him. Don't you hate it when that happens, when you think you graduated top of your class with three degrees, but you're actually one of the worst students in the class and only had one degree? It's bad. Now, isn't it refreshing when you watch that to see news media do their job, call out the lying politician rather than provide cover for him let's have a look at an example of just how blatant biden was in plagiarizing someone else's life and stories to present as his own he used phrases identical to those delivered by british labor party leader neil Kinnock.
5: biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and life as his own why is it that my wife who's sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college
0: Why is Gladys the first woman
5: in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in northeast Pennsylvania and who come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no...
3: just incredible stuff and thanks to rnc research for unearthing those old clips who would think that a pathological liar not a good one but one who lies about easily verifiable facts over and over again would rise to be the leader of the free world 81 million votes Every word Donald Trump ever uttered has been fact-checked by activist reporters, but Biden managed to go through an entire presidential campaign without having to answer for his litany of lies. And even in office, the bulk of the media has ignored his habit of lying about verifiable facts, figures and events.
1: We could go another 10 minutes and have a discussion and talk about only the lies Joe Biden has told while being president. He's a pathological liar. And that means it's got to be biologically part of his thinking, his reasoning. He just thinks it's okay. No remorse, none whatsoever. And he just continues to double and triple down on it. Now, why is that such a big deal? People say, you know, he's the president. He's 80 years old. Give him a break. There's the problem with your president lying. What I just told you, Democrats are saying. They have made it okay to tell lies in politics. In fact, it's expected now. Politicians are going to embellish. They're going to say things that they say are authentic, that are anything but authentic, And Biden's still doing it now. But you know what? There's a bunch of other politicians out there that are taking his lead. And the Democrat Party has normalized that. It's okay. It's okay. It's no big deal. We're politicians. And that's what politicians do.
2: Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the three ninety 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret
0: DJ set.
2: At a retirement home?
0: Weird, I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT 3 I call the EMT? Turkey breast 3 How much? Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. 99 $3.99. $3.99? $3.99. $3.99.
6: participating shops. Prices and subs included Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts
7: or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there?
2: Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for 6 hours.
1: It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu.
6: Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select, as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply.
2: Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman.
1: I got an idea. Why don't Republicans just throw in the towel? Why don't Democrats just throw in the towel? And let's just be representatives of people, American people, from every walk of life, from every state, from the territories. That includes Puerto Rico. Let's just have 535 people up there that represent the people, not political parties. Our forefathers, they hated, every one of them, despised the fact that there were political parties. And even back then, parties played in their purest form, in their foundation, they played a role. It's to unify like-minded political thinkers so that they could get more done in a shorter period of time. Campaigning and campaign dollars was not the purpose for political parties, but now the love of money's the root of all evil. Money drives the boat in Washington, DC. It does. And it used to be the only thing that mattered. But then they found out, hey, we can go one step further. Power. Power. If we control the electorate, if we control them, if we get the, all the power, We can give ourselves more power. And by doing that, we can create a permanent state of political authority and domination. That's where this Democrat Party is wanting to go. It's the only explanation for the massive illegal immigration that's going on. And speaking of illegal immigration and crimes and criminality that come from it, tomorrow's story at truthnewsnet.org is a study of European immigration and the massive criminology, criminal activity that have been the results of illegal immigration all across the entire European Union and the rest of Europe. It's eye-opening. And then we look at what's happening in our United States. Our crime is going through the roof. Now, all of that is not happening at the hands of Illegal immigrants. We get that. But you know, those 12 illegals that broke in those stores and stole all kinds of valuable merchandise, 12 of them. You know, the story comes out this morning. You know who they were? They were illegals. They came in at the southern border. They logged in. They did all the paperwork. They got put on buses to go to New York. They're living in a hotel on taxpayer dollars. And their plans were to go around and burglarize places and just steal and get as much as they possibly can. The Biden immigration plan is really close to destroying American democracy. Our safety, our safety is gone. I know people in my town, Shreveport, Louisiana, for those of you that live around the United States and even cities across the world, look at your world. We're talking about people that live in big cities that have to be careful when they go out on the streets. In New York City, you can't do it. I mean, people are getting mugged and even beaten up and murdered in the middle of the day in Manhattan. Who thought that would ever happen? A lot of that is coming from illegals. Now, let me just say this. How do you know that, Dan? Well, I really don't. You know why none of us know? There's not a single city in the United States, not a single police department that I know of, that segregates their statistics when reporting regarding the perpetrator's immigration status. Often, of course, the cops know about it, but when they report the crime statistics, there's no category for illegal immigrants. Let me tell you why that's happening. It's purposeful. Washington, D.C., the White House, wants those numbers to be kept secret. I keep going back to this. We know about Texas just simply because the Texas Department of Safety, they released criminal actions that end up being lawlessness, acts against Texans, 600,000 of those in two years, everything from first degree to murder down to burglary by illegal aliens in Texas. Just imagine what it's like in California, in Arizona, in New Mexico, and New York, and Illinois, and the left don't want us to know the numbers, if we ever get our hands on them. And I'm praying that we get, for a lot of reasons, but this is one of them, we get a Republican for president in 2024. There will be a strong push Get us the statistics. Give us the facts on which we all can make our decisions. And that includes people that are over law enforcement across the nation. If you don't have all the facts, you can't make good decisions. You can make decisions, and certainly they're made every day in criminal uh, actions around the state, law enforcement. They should. That they would be a whole lot better and a whole lot more effective if they had all of the information. All of the information. Speaking of getting all of the information, Fox News, Peter Ducey, he's an eye fly for Corinne Jean Pierre, the White House press secretary. And they don't like to say secretary, press director, media director, whatever you want to call her. And Ducey, Confronted Corrine yesterday about the classified DocuGate scandal.
9: From this president. Go ahead,
7: Peter. Thank you, Corrine. When you found out that the FBI had located even more classified materials in Wilmington, which four letter word did you use? <laughs>
9: <laughs> oh my goodness, Peter. Um <laughs>
7: Uh, President Biden is still intending to run for re-election in 2024,
9: right? Uh, I'll just repeat what the President said after the midterm election, which is he intends to run. I'm going to be very careful from here, as you know, uh, because we are covered by the Hatch Act and I'm not going to speak further to his process.
7: Is there a precedent for people running for president after FBI agents search their sock drawer?
9: Say that one more time. Say that beginning
7: part. Is there a precedent for people running for president? after FBI it sounds like agents. you it sounds
9: like Sorry. you already know that that the answer to that question look here's what I, don't I here's know the answer to no. that question well, here's, here's, An here's, FBI search of a president's residence is a big big deal here's what the president's going to focus on he's going to focus on continuing to deliver for the American people that's his focus that's what he focuses on every day that's what he's been focusing on the last two years and nothing is going to change that you think about the bipartisan infrastructure legislation you think about the Infl- inflation reduction act you think Think about the Chips and Science Act, those, the bipartisan one, the last two that I mentioned, done in a bipartisan way. That's what the president wants to do. He wants to continue to deliver on his economic plan that is going to build the economy from the bottom-up, middle-out. That is what matters to the president.
7: The House Oversight Committee chairman says this document situation has all the makings of a potential cover-up. Is President Biden involved in a cover-up?
9: We've been very clear here from this administration. The president has been very clear that um, he takes this very seriously when it comes to the, when it comes to classified information, when it comes to classified documents, and that his team has been um, has been fully cooperative uh, with this legal matter. Anything else, Peter? And this is, and I'm, I'm going to be very serious. You asked me. Kind of a question that everybody laughed at, which was interesting question to ask. But any other uh, any other underlying questions that you may have, I would refer you to my colleagues, the White House Counsel. I'm going to continue to be prudent. I'm going to be continue to be consistent and refer you uh, to any questions you have there.
1: As usual, Corinne Jean Pierre. She is very vague, and you know, circle back we're circle back she's over at msnbc i think jennifer jensaki she would answer every question jean pierre it's like she's afraid to say anything cuz she'll get in trouble if she says anything and and let me tell you what really missed me about this white house and it's not about her folks it's very obvious the president of the United States or his chief of staff, whoever, the normal administration, they have meetings every day, especially if they're going to have a press briefing. And the spokesperson, whoever it is, it may be the press secretary, it may be an assistant to the president, whoever is going to get up in front of the press, they have a plan. And they're giving the people that are going to be the spokesman, they're giving them hard facts that they can use to answer the questions of the media in the room. She's lost as a goose, and I used to think it was because of her. You know what? They're giving her nothing. They know every day when she walks out and gets behind that podium, she's going to be blasted by Peter Doocy. And... We cover Peter Ducey because Fox News is really good about putting up those uh, answer the question and answers of Peter Ducey in the press briefing room. Other other media's don't do that, so we're hearing a, just one little snippet. I can only imagine how the rest of these pre- press briefings go, and it is a tremendous disservice by President Biden to let her go through this because she is asked the same questions every day. And they're all about the important happenings of the day, which is what these briefings are supposed to do to tell and explain to the American people what's going on in this administration. Now let me give you an example of this. Attorney General Merrick Garland, he is the nation's number one law enforcement officer. Two days ago, he claimed his department has not and will not apply a double standard of justice to President Biden's classified Docugate scandal after reportedly agreeing with Biden's personal lawyers to hide the scandal from the American people. Now, this is nothing more than Democrats speak. How impune is it for the Attorney General to say what he said, and it came out almost at the same time that he and his folks at the Department of Justice cut a deal with Biden's personal lawyers to hide the scandal from the American people. They weren't going to tell the American people about it. They thought they could kind of covered their tracks and make sure there were none other of these documents around there, these classified documents. And they had no plans to tell the American people about it. Somebody in the Department of Justice said this is not right, and they leaked it to CBS News. CBS News came out with it The Department of Justice in the White House did not know CBS News was going to do it before that happened, which is a horrible thing to an administration. You always want to know what the bad news is going to be before the bad news is given to the nation so you're ready to respond. They were caught. They didn't have a clue. And yet the Attorney General comes out and makes the claim, we haven't had a double standard We're not going to have a double standard in the middle of it coming to the American people that he had a double standard. We do not have different rules for Democrats or Republicans. Different rules for the powerful or the powerless. Different rules for the rich and for the poor. We apply the facts. And the law in each case is a neutral, nonpartisan manner. Boy, you could have heard some strings behind him when he said that. But according to the establishment media reports, along with looking at the timeline of events, Garland seems to have handled the Mar-a-Lago raid much differently than that of the investigation of the president. According to the Washington Post, that bastion of conservatism, (laughs) no, they're in the tank for Democrats. Not only did the White House, according to them and the DOJ, try to obscure the scandal from the public, they also refused to divulge that the second trove of classified documents was already unearthed at Biden's home in Wilmington when CBS News first contacted the White House about the initial leak of classified documents, apparently illegally stored at the Biden Penn center. So, according to Breitbart News, Republicans are demanding that FBI Director for Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland appear before the the House Judiciary Committee on Friday to explain the Department of Justice's actions in raiding former President Donald Trump. You remember that? Why isn't anybody out there screaming for Merrick Garland to explain this debacle? Early on, Biden's attorneys, Department of Justice, investigators both thought they had a shared understanding about keeping the matter quiet. This is from the Washington Post, noting the Biden administration's attempts to conceal revelations of the second trove of stashed documents. And then the New York Times. New York Times reported that the quiet cooperation continued for weeks between the Biden aides and the DOJ. After the first discovery, that was on November 2nd, Biden's personal attorneys told the DOJ the only location where troves of classifieds were stored was at the Penn Biden Center. That's according to the New York Times. That fact turned out to be incorrect when multiple troves of classified materials were found later. We're still looking. I promise you there are more. We may never hear about it, but they've got to be out there. Only after additional documents were found at the Biden residence did the DOJ request to search the home, which turned up more documents now. They have four homes. (laughs) DOJ, they're going to be busy. On January 9th, the scandal was leaked to CBS News. Republican lawmakers believed if the scandal was not leaked, the American people would not know of Biden's wrongdoing. White House officials are reportedly suspicious about how Biden's classified document scandal was leaked to the press after only a select group of White House and DOJ officials knew about the violation. You know why that happened? Here's a ray of sunshine in the Department of Justice. Obviously, there's at least some little ray of truthfulness still flowing through the veins of one person at the Department of Justice. Maybe it was somebody that didn't want to and refused to be a part of a cover-up, which is exactly what this was, a cover-up. Now, it's still unclear why Biden's personal attorneys were the ones searching for those illegally stashed documents. I can't get by that. I mean, an exact correlative with Donald Trump's situation would have been for the president to be told, hey, we know you've got this stuff there. We're ready to come take it. What we'll do is get your attorneys and do a thorough search and tell us, bring to us what you find when you go through all of the records you have, which ones of them are classified. Do you think that would ever happen? No. And the reason that didn't happen is because Joe Biden's a Democrat. He did something that was illegal. No, no, no. Not Uncle Joe. He's Uncle Joe. He would never do anything illegal. Well, he did. He did. And for all of the raving lunatics out there that hate Donald Trump, And they applaud anything and everything negative, even if it's not real, but if it's alleged, oh, we're going to get the orange man. For all of you, my life, your life was much better under Donald Trump, his term in the White House, than you're getting from your guy, Joe Biden, right now. That's a fact. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear.
2: TNN, the Truth News Network.
9: I know I should quit smoking, but it's just...
0: (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded.
9: (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1 Quit Yes. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org.
4: Grab an ice cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients zero sugar and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius. Essential energy. Live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you.
1: I heard this song pretty much every college sporting event that I went to throughout my career since like 1970. I guess everybody just liked it. Every band, especially at basketball games, college basketball games, at some point everybody would dance or go crazy with that. Still happening. A lot of people like it. It's a good it's a good song, no doubt about it. Um anyway, Let's go to the southern border for just a few minutes. There's really, as you know, a lot of things going on down there. And there's a lot of purposeful hiding of things, information. And it's almost like I'm afraid to beat the drum just because everybody knows our border is open. There is no border there. Why is that? Because of Joe Biden Alejandro Mayorkas, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. You can throw in the names of every other Democrat Party leader in Washington. They want illegal aliens to flood the nation and then them get power. And once they get power and they dominate Republicans in Congress, they're just going to wave a magic wand and make all of those illegals that came in, make them citizens. And citizens get to vote. And of course, we're the party that let you in. We're the party that gave you housing, gave you food, gave you money to spend, gave you cell phones. We're taking care of your health care. And we're going to give you a place to live. We're going to give you citizenship, and you'll have all the rights and privileges that go along with that. All we ask is that you vote to keep us in power so you can keep all the goodies that we have given you, that the American taxpayers are paying for. Everybody knows that's the reason. But now, people that work in Customs Border Patrol, they're saying we've had enough. People are leaving in droves. Suicides among those agents. The numbers have gone through the roof. These are people... They didn't just go to Border Patrol, the Customs Border Patrol, just to get a job. They went there and swore an oath. They wear a badge. They believe the United States Customs and Border Patrol is a real entity that is necessary to keep the United States safe. But the Border Patrol chief, he's kind of drawn the line in the sand. It's a dangerous position to be in because you're a lifer. You've been around CBP for decades, and you're taking a stand against the illegality that is being perpetrated and maintained by your bosses. He said point blank. We're not getting any help from Washington. To see people treated like they did,
5: horses barely running them over, people being strapped, It's outrageous. I promise you, those people will pay.
7: Our entire nation saw horrifying images that do not reflect who we are. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism.
5: So that was a year and a half ago. Turns out that wasn't true. And there's been no apology since. President Biden, Homeland Security Secretary, falsely accusing border agents of whipping migrants. Uh, In the summer of 2021, now, emails are coming to light that show that the Border Patrol's chief was furious over how the White House handled the bogus controversy. Cross-country host Lawrence Jones is here. Hello to you, sir. Good Good morning. morning. I think one of these things here that was going around at the time is that the the government is looking for a clarification as the whether or not we're going to investigate. And the sooner we can tell them that investigation has been launched, the better it looks for them. That's, that's what was going on in those emails.
8: But meanwhile, behind the scenes, they were also saying that there was no evidence of wrongdoing at the time. Look, you watch Blue Bloods, uh, Frank Reagan. I always say when it comes to, and y'all know I do a lot of crime reporting, so I have a lot of sources in law enforcement. These positions are political appointments. And if you wanna be a successful commissioner, chief, you gotta have the Frank, Frank Reagan approach. That means you have the respect of the rank and file while still being able to maneuver in these political positions. And Ortiz, behind the scenes, one of the criticisms is, behind the scenes, he will go to bat for his age on the ground, but publicly he won't do anything to support him. And so he was in a tough spot. I, I know Ortiz, he's talked about the problems that he's had with this administration,
4: talked about the problems that he's had. But at the end of the day,
8: Mayorkas is his boss. Biden is his, is his boss. And he was going to do what they said. He was fighting for his agents behind the scenes. But I think what his rank and file wanted to see, this public gesture saying, yeah. you know what? If you go after my people, you're going after me. And I'll walk off this job before I let you prosecute for my uh agents Mm -hmm. on the ground. And he didn't do that publicly.
4: Let's read you a little bit of the emails that he sent. So these are emails that were just released. This is call for number one. Uh, He said, there are great efforts occurring and we aren't highlighting any of them. Every day we are providing life-saving efforts to migrants under the bridge. Our agents are being assaulted and we aren't saying a word. The bus contractors and pilots are dealing with Haitians escaping or trying to overrun drivers and we stay quiet. Agents and pro staff are working 14-hour days in difficult conditions, nothing said. We have to change the narrative or these stories will be the only story. Well, he's right. Yeah. That has been the case. Let me tell you
8: something. Expect more documents and and more comments to come out of Ortiz's office. I think he realizes that he now has uh, the political will now with Mm -hmm. everyone talking about the border. Biden finally visiting the border. The president is on his heels as it relates to it. And I think he's tired of being beat up about this issue. So I I think there will be more leaks about what's really going on at the border. People should ask themselves, where does Fox News always get information from? It has to be someone with inside of the uh, administration that is saying the border is a crisis.
1: The border is a crisis. And the Border Patrol chief, Ortiz, he's had enough. Now, he's not talking about quitting or anything. He's not talking about that. He's talking to the American people saying, look, we know in Customs and Border Patrol, We know what's going on is wrong, but our hands are tied by Washington, D.C., the president and this administration. Lawrence Jones, you just heard him on that story. And later in that same conversation, Lawrence Jones dropped a bomb. You know, we've, we've been dealing with fentanyl now for years, flooding across our southern border. And the drug cartels in Mexico and other parts of Central America, they are getting filthy rich while Americans are dying. 300 Americans will die today from fentanyl poisoning. Did you know that? You know what the number was three years ago? It was less than 10. 300 every day. Now let me scare you. There's a new drug, a new drug. It's really not a new drug, but it's being weaponized against Americans, and Americans are taking it, and they're beginning to die in numbers that will soon eclipse deaths from fentanyl. Lawrence explained what this drug is.
5: Uh, in Philadelphia, you've been down there, you've been visiting a tough neighborhood called Kensington. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new drug going around, and this was designed for animals, and human beings are taking it.
8: Yeah, xylazine also known as trank is a tranquilizer for animals. We so we we started covering the fentanyl crisis about 4 years ago, but now they've introduced this new drug trank. Mm-hmm. And the problem with this is that the Narcan won't work on this drug. And they're trying to, all these different combinations to try to have some preventative measure, but if you take trank, it will kill you. And if a EMT uh, doctor comes on the uh, the scene. They won't be able to save your life because of this. It. it is. But
4: also, it kills you slowly. It kills you very you know, the, slowly. The sores that you can see that people get on their arms and and their le- and their legs. It basically, it almost looks like you have leprosy because it starts to eat you from the inside out. And
8: what we see is a lot of these offenders, they'll go, go to jail and they'll be in jail for like three months. And then they'll finally be released and they pick it back up. And that's when it really kills them because they've went cold turkey and then they get reinduced. A lot of the folks, just to be clear, don't know that they're taking trains.
1: Right. They have no do. It's been laced with it. This is unbelievable. America is dying. It's dying economically. It's dying socially. It's dying medically, and none of that has to happen. Our leaders are driving this ship, and we're headed towards the edge of uh, um, a huge, deep gap in the ocean that's going to swallow us up. What do we do about that? Well, the the only way we can change it is at the ballot box. And this is not a conspiracy, what I'm about to say. They're very quietly, not even so much quiet now. But they're taking over the election process. And they're doing it for one purpose, to control the elections. You think we've really seen what's out there in 2020? We began to expect things from 2016, 2018, but 2020, it became very obvious. There's a lot of fiddling going on, manipulating our election process. And it's happening. What can we do about it? Well, who do we depend on for that? Law enforcement, leadership, and leaders in DC, they love the way things are going. You know, it's really no good for us to sit up here and point fingers. Everybody knows what the problem is. It's just the perspective that we have that is different from a lot of other people. Do you realize that probably at least 30% of this nation doesn't give a rip what happens in politics? They're caught up in their worlds. They don't want to be bothered with the minutia of this. There are two generations behind us that I know that is actually what's going on because I have grandkids. I have kids and I have grandkids. Most of the people, not nearly as much as in the generation below, but most of the people in the generation are kids, that one most of the people, maybe 55 60%, they're on track, they're on target. They understand they've got to make their own way and that there are a lot of roadblocks. They've got to learn how to lead. They have to learn how to follow all of those things. They have to learn basic math and social skills. So most of them have that. A big number don't, but most of them do. Their kids, oh, my gosh. Their world is social media and video games. You take away their iPhones, you take away their Google phones, you can forget about it. They'll go absolutely stark raving crazy. They don't know how to communicate other than electronically on a PDA. Communication is the tool That has to be absolutely intrinsic in anything good that happens at the government level. And the American people, we've watched as hardcore sycophants, powered brokers, powered junkies have taken over our government. And our voice, it's just immaterial going forward. Oh, they come when they want to hand out for political campaigns. If they have a specific cause, they never hesitate to come talk to you about it. And most of the time they're coming and talking to you because they want something from you. Try to get in touch with your congressman or congresswoman. Put in a call. Tell whoever answers the phone at their office, hey, I need to speak to congressman, senator, and see what happens. You probably, you may get a little better response if you get any response at all at the national level. You may get a little better response in your local city or in your state. But it's trickle down. People in state governments are seeing that at the national level, people that are in office there could pretty much get away with doing or not doing whatever they want to or don't want to with impunity. They're running down that road. Now let me give you a little fact. And I want you to consider this fact in the context of what we're talking about. Some 36 million people, 36 million people in Britain That means 54.2% of individuals in the UK lived in a household which received more government benefits than they paid in taxes in 2021. The highest proportion ever standing a considerable 13 points higher now than the long-term trend average going back half a century. Well, you'll say, Dan, they're a socialist entity. Britain? Come on. These numbers appear to underline the impact of the creeping state drawing more and more families into its clutches while piling the financial responsibility for paying this ballooning welfare state onto a dwindling number of taxpayers. Sound familiar? Looking at the so-called net dependency ratio there, the Civitas think tank found that over 54% of people in Britain are in a household getting more than they pay in. And that this figure has been rising. In 2019, 47% of people were in these households getting more out. And it was as low as 40% in the year 2000. The average level of dependency between 1977 and 2000 was 41.2%. I can't even imagine 40% of people in the United States getting more government benefits than they're paying in in taxes. While many will feel they're getting a good deal out of the state, Think about that. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. Now, these benefits include both cash and benefits in kind, like education, the NHS socialized healthcare system there. It begs to question about the sustainability of this lopsided system. It can't survive. Perhaps of greater concern there is the way in which taxation in the UK has shifted away from a system where the majority pay in to have a safety net if they need it later to one where a very small minority of high earners who are perhaps among the most mobile and motivated to go elsewhere pay a disproportionate amount of tax. So illustrating how lopsided this burden is, Civitas said the top 10% of earners paid over half of all income tax, paid three times as much tax as the bottom 60% of taxpayers. Those in the top fifth of earners paid on average £35,400 more in taxes a year than they receive from the state. Now, I got this from the Daily Telegraph. As you know, we tell you here every once in a while, we get a lot of our stuff from European and even Asian news agencies about things in the United States. This one, obviously, is not directly about the U.S., but it will impact us because our leaders have us going down this road. The Daily Telegraph cited the remarks of report co-author Tim Knox, who underlined his concern about the growing state and disproportionate strain this put on some. He said, quote, the proportion of households who are receiving more from the state than they pay in taxes has never been larger, and the outlook for the near future is bleak. It's a good thing that more than half of Brits take more from the state than they put in. And a further increase in dependency is welcome. Do we as a country... Want so many people to be dependent on the state? Or are we collectively hooked on more and more bread? The reason for the changes seen in this report are diverse, but the Civitas authors emphasize the way in which taxes are levied on one hand and a sudden surge in the size of the government over COVID 19. Does that sound familiar? Indeed, if it were not for an accounting trick, which saw COVID handout payments not counted as a benefit, the so-called dependency ratio would be even higher. Now, the UK revelations come against the backdrop of long-term failures of the British tax system to best serve those at the heart of society, families, families. Indeed, fiscal drag and a punishing tax code see the middle classes in the UK ever more clobbered with punishment taxes, originally created to clobber the super wealthy, and families disincentivized from making life work best for them by attacking single earner homes, have all been imposed upon the public by the Tory government in Britain. Meanwhile, Polling show the UK public has given up on the idea of right-wing parties being in favor of a smaller state at all and the UK's conservative prime minister said that idiots believe the government can cut tax the leader of the UK says the prime minister idiots think the government can cut taxes Not that they will, but they can if they want to. Are we going down that road? Yeah, we're going down that same road. How quickly? Well, look what happened in the UK over COVID-19 and their pandemic. They didn't go down nearly as far on the road to totalitarian government during COVID-19 as did we, the United States of America. more than half of the people in Britain are living off of and dependent on government subsidies and cash from the government. That's scary to me. And we're headed down that same road. Think about that.
0: A friend of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 turbo sports wagon. I said, oh, that, no, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy and... Pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. What's
6: safe and sexy? Viva La Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer.
0: Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in?
6: Computer, execute
0: 12.4p operation.
8: Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha Night, night. Oh. I don't feel so good.
6: What? What is it,
7: computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or s- something.
5: A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO.
8: Those oysters Rockefeller were a
5: mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
0: Out for some Lay's and you face a test. Which tasty chip will
2: be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky
7: barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too.
0: You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah.
2: You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new
0: best friend.
2: The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: You know, all the shootings that we hear about, anytime there's a, a shooting that can be even remotely classified as a mass shooting, hardcore leftists, anti Second Amendment people just go absolutely nuts. And there have been a few of those of late, and of course, Democrats in Congress, they come back and say, we got to do away with those evil assault weapons. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. They try and try and try. In fact, Senator Dianne Feinstein, she went back and she's presenting another gun control bill. They'll beat around the bush. They'll talk about it. they pontificate politically getting chits and campaign dollars from their constituents and nothing will happen if, why it why won't it's it's because the second amendment is the second amendment and what it is for is to give americans the right to own and bear arms period legislation that has ever been introduced to call that, call it in on the carpet and change it, do away with it or whatever, it's never passed the muster constitutionally of being a legal thing to do. Time after time after time, dozens of Supreme Court results have come out and basically it said, the government cannot abridge the rights that are provided in the Second Amendment that the people control. So this latest stuff, it ends up at Corinne Jean-Pierre's desk. And she claimed the results of the 1994 through 2004 assault weapons ban that was authored, by the way, started in the Senate, offered by guess who? Then Senator Joe Biden. And she said from the podium yesterday, that the result of that assault weapons ban was that mass shootings went down. That's incorrect. She talked about the mass shootings that had been occurring in California. The states had more gun control than any other state in the Union. Ironically, by the way, one of California's gun controls is an assault weapons ban. Nevertheless, Jean-Pierre pushed for an assault weapons ban at the federal level, saying this, quote, the last time we had an assault weapons ban on the books, thanks to the president and Senator Dianne Feinstein's leadership, mass shootings actually went down. That claim is 180 degrees out of sync with the info discovered and published by the Department of Justice's National Institute's of Justice. The National Institute of Justice's findings, which were originally published just as the assault weapons ban was coming to an end, it made clear that the ban could not be credited with any reduction in crime. The Washington Times Quoted University of Pennsylvania Professor Christopher Cooper, author of that NIJ report, saying, we cannot clearly credit the ban with any of the nation's drop in recent gun violence, and indeed there's been no discernible reduction in the lethality and injuriousness of gun violence. I've never heard or said that word in my life, injuriousness. The report continued, the ban's effect on gun violence are likely to be small at best, perhaps too small for even a reliable measurement. It put matters into perspective by pointing out that assault weapons are rarely used in gun crimes, even before the ban. January 18, 2013, it was reported that assault weapons were tied to less than 0.00 of overall deaths in America in recent years. This point is poignant in light of the NIJ report showing assault weapons were rarely used in crime to begin with. The guns are bulky, difficult to conceal, making them a bad choice for criminals seeking to avoid detection. Also, the Monterey Park attacker in California on the 21st used a pistol. And NBC Bay Area's Christine Nye noted the January 23rd Half Moon Bay attacker appears to have used a handgun as well. So Jean-Pierre's claim that the 1994-2004 to assault weapons ban reduced mass shootings does not square with the Department of Justice's NIJ report. In other words, it's untrue. But Democrats, They'll throw out the quote-unquote facts when they're not facts. They do it purposely, knowing that most Americans will not go find out what the real facts are for themselves. And they're living off of that. Sadly, they're living off of that. So let's go back to the recent happenings in... Um, committee assignments in this Congress that are fast underway. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, he's the guy that controls the Constitution of every committee in the House of Representatives. And we, at the top of the show, we talked about his making sure that uh, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell will not serve, no longer will serve on the Intelligence Committee of the House. Schiff vowed in response, he said, Kevin McCarthy just kicked me and Eric Swalwell off the Intelligence Committee. This is petty? Political payback for investigating Donald Trump, Schiff tweeted. If he thinks this will stop me, he will soon find out just how wrong he is. I will always defend our democracy. Now, what Adam Schiff thinks that Americans don't know about on the January 6th committee when they did all of their damage, which I'm laughingly calling what they did damage, did no damage, because it was a charade. It was not a real committee that did any real work to get the facts. I don't remember the numbers. They called, I don't know, dozens of witnesses hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pages of documents. They never let one of the two, only two Republicans that were handpicked by Pelosi to serve on that committee, they never let them ask a question, enter anything into evidence, never got to cross-examine a single witness and couldn't present witnesses at all. That's Adam Schiff's definition of we got things done. Earlier in the month, McCarthy indicated to reporters he was going to follow through on his promise to keep Schiff and Swalwell off the Intelligence Committee. During his time as chairman of the Intelligence Committee, Schiff promoted the now debunked Trump-Russia collusion theory saying he had absolute truth, hard facts, truth, that proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to get elected. He still maintains that today. Never has he ever offered up any of that ironclad factual information to prove that. While serving as the lead impeachment manager, Schiff famously read out a made-up call between Donald Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky for dramatic effect amid Democrats moving to impeach Trump. That hearing was televised live. He never told the people before or after he read that that it wasn't factual. He created it himself just to make an impact with the media who would jump all over it, which they did. They would play it over and over and over again for the American people to hear, and that made the American people think that was the actual script of the conversation between Trump and Zelensky when it wasn't. Adam Schiff openly lied to the American people, McCarthy said. He put America for four years to an impeachment that he knew was a lie at the same time we had Ukraine at the same time we had Afghanistan collapse. Was that the role of the intel committee? No, it wasn't. On the other hand, Swawell caught flack from McCarthy over his intimate sexual relationship with a Chinese spy named Fang Fang. Let me phrase something very direct to you. Phrase something. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI... You wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee, McCarthy said to reporters. He can't get a security clearance in the private sector. When Republicans held a minority in the previous Congress, McCarthy consistently pledged to keep Schiff and Swalwell off the Intel Committee if Republicans gained the majority and he controlled the speakership. I'll promise you this when I'm Speaker, Schiff will not be on the Intel Committee anymore. And you know what else? Swalwell won't either. I don't know if this is a high bar, but if you have relations with a Chinese spy, you shouldn't be allowed to be on the Intelligence Committee. Washington, D.C., the wheels of legislation, the wheels of justice. Just keep on turning. What about our debt? standoff that's going on. Oh my gosh, we we exceeded our borrowing limit last week. What's happened? Nothing's happened. Both parties have drawn their line in the sand and that's the way it's going to be. But in the middle of this, some news came out. And this is interesting I wanted to make sure we talked about this. I wanted you to hear this. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she made the announcement last week that the U.S., we hit our debt limit, $31.3 trillion. And she estimated last week when she brought that out, made it factual. She estimated the Treasury would be okay to use some extraordinary measures until June to keep the country from defaulting on its exorbitant runaway debt. Republicans, they want spending cuts, something Democrats don't want. And Republicans want those spending cuts to offset raising the debt ceiling. Joe Biden has said he wasn't going to negotiate with Republicans on the matter, even though he acknowledged last week that politicians, and I'm going to quote him, Politicians need to focus on making sure we do not accumulate more debt. That's exactly opposite of what he does. Cory Jean-Pierre reiterated Biden's stance yesterday, saying the ceiling should be raised without conditions. Corporate America. Now listen to this. This is the part of this I wanted to make sure you heard. Corporate America, which has had the year of Republican politicians for decades, corporate America is pressuring lawmakers to raise the ceiling, the debt ceiling. But Republicans who have gradually abandoned corporate interest in favor of the interest of the working class are not any longer as obligated to entities like corporate lobbyists as they once were before Donald Trump's populist agenda began to transform the Republican Party. The importance and sway that many big business groups had at one point is no longer important to the folks on the far right that we saw in the speakership fight. That's one of several consultants who did not want to be identified as he or she works with these corporate interests. The consultant added that nothing the Chamber of Commerce or a Fortune 500 CEO or anyone else aside from maybe Donald Trump says is going to sway them. Sam Gedaldig, a former senior advisor to former Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri, and co-CEO at CGCN lobbying firm emphasized that the constituents that Republicans are increasingly representing skew the working class and that these voters want to disrupt the status quo and the establishment, which includes big corporations. A Rasmussen poll conducted last week found that the majority of us, Americans, we prefer a partial government shutdown instead of increased spending. So some Republicans in Congress have floated Social Security and Medicare cuts. Democrats, including the president, have worked to amplify such a narrative and are trying to counter it with proposals for tax increases tax increases. Do you know that in the middle of the COVID pandemic, with all the lockdowns, tax revenue coming into our government and subsequently to that has eclipsed the amount of taxes ever in American history to be collected by the government from taxes on corporations and the American people? And yet, Joe Biden wants more. Joe Biden wants more. Trump sternly cautioned Republicans against making a single change to Social Security or Medicare to, quote, help pay for Joe Biden's reckless spending spree. But Trump enthusiastically endorsed cuts to other spending initiatives, including cutting hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars going to corrupt foreign countries, his term, cutting the mass releases of illegal aliens that are depleting our social safety net and destroying our country, ending radical gender programs in the military, and nixing funding on climate extremism. He said, cut waste, fraud, and abuse everywhere that we can find it, and there's plenty of it. But don't cut the benefits our seniors worked for and paid for their entire lives. Save Social Security. Don't destroy Medicare. That's from former President Donald Trump. You know, there's a difference there. Joe Biden says something, he makes a promise, and I go, eh, you know, he's got history. His history's not good of telling the truth or doing what he said. I doubt if that's going to happen. But the American people, when Trump said that, quote, I'm quoting him again cut waste, fraud, and abuse everywhere that we can find it. And there's plenty of it. But don't cut the benefits our seniors worked for and paid for their entire lives. Save Social Security. Don't destroy Medicare, he warned. You know what? He's got a history. He's got a past, and in his past, he did what he said he was going to do every single time. Every piece of legislation that he presented or was presented on his behalf during his administration, every one of them that he promised to do when he was campaigning way back in 2016, every one of his promises he fulfilled The only ones that were not fulfilled were the ones that he couldn't do on his own. He had to have Congress do it, and they wouldn't support him in it. First candidate in my lifetime that when elected did exactly what they told us they were going to do before the election. Novel idea, huh?
2: Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real News. Real Truth. TNN. The Truth News Network.
5: What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships, like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola drink up.
9: Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you.
8: Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi everybody, I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at SnowballExpress.org.
1: Dave Rubin. I like Dave Rubin a lot. He's very matter of fact. He's right on with his messaging. He's not a Republican. Uh, he's somewhere, he, I, I'm not sure exactly where he is. He may be a little bit further to the right than Republicans are. And by the way, I'm an independent too. He weighed in on something that Bill Maher, you know Bill Maher? He's that hardcore lefty that has that show, I forget the name of it. It's on HBO. It's been it's been there for years. He's done it for years. And Bill Maher, he got into it on one of his shows and he started talking about the ills in America and where the next generation of kids are getting their facts from their educations. And Bill Maher pointed to that very thing as a result, as the doer, the perpetrator of all of the crazy stuff that's happening in the generation behind us And the one behind that one, speaking of a bad set of ideas, one of the uh, one of the
6: liberals that, you know, I'm always working on uh, is disaffected liberal, but still self-proclaimed liberal uh, Bill Maher. Bill Maher is struggling with his own team because they no, no longer believe in diversity of thought. And Bill Maher recently was talking about where that rot comes from. And I think he nailed it.
2: I really think. Look, we we are. I think when historians look back at our time, they will not divide us into red and blue and Republican Democrat. They're like the things that were wrong with us were wrong with both sides in different ways. I do think they manifest in a more dangerous way on the right, but on the left, there is a rot, and it comes from academia, yes, and I agree. and it filters down. Am I am I wrong about that? That's where it's all coming from. I just think this is an epitome of it. This is what the mother says, and then the kid robs your money.
6: It's quite true. The place in American society, really all Western society, where the the horrific ideas of leftism and wokeism and collectivism, socialism, these top-down ideas, these ideas that are anti-human liberty, they're anti-the individual because they don't want you thinking for yourself. They want to think for you. These have all taken root at universities Uh, throughout this country. And as I said, throughout the world. So he is getting it on that point. They will scream till their heads explode about diversity. But of course, as you guys know, the one diversity that they hate is diversity of thought. And this is something that I think a whole bunch of people did not. We we just thought the thing was going to work. We just thought, oh, you could send your kid to a school to... Get a degree in lesbian badminton and whatever it might be, and you'll spend a lot of money doing it, but the machine will just keep working and they'll just get a job and everything will be okay. But now after probably four decades of this indoctrination, we are seeing the fruits of that. And you have to give credit to the socialists. You have to give credit to all of these people who said, we will start at the schools and we will indoctrinate youth. And does that sound a little something similar to uh, what's going on with all these uh, trans drag shows or, or drag queen drag shows, kid drag shows, whatever the hell's going on over there? Like you get them young, you confuse them with bad ideas young. You show a six-year-old, a dude in a dress, dancing around, saying crazy things. And it's not, it's just to confuse them because a confused mind is is fertile ground to a soul, to a, a soul, uh, a stolen rest of your life, something like that.
1: Kids are malleable. Everybody knows that. And they are in the process, I guess from birth, they're in the process of becoming who they're going to be when they get to adulthood. And it's a scary scenario that we parents and grandparents and great-grandparents are watching play out because... Our kids get their education, not at schools. They're getting it from PDAs. They're getting it from social media. They're getting it from friends who are getting it from other friends, who are getting it from other friends. Not factual stuff. And as Bill Maher said, academia is principally to blame, not parents. Academia, the school system, the education system, is to blame. Now, I, I went to public high school. I went, I went to public school my entire life. Our kids did the same thing. Again, we live in Shreveport, Louisiana. We lived in across the Red River in Bossier when our kids were in high school. All four of them, grad, three of them graduated from the same high school, public school, went to college, all three of them. We have two degrees out of the three from college. And I think, now this is back in the 90s, I think their educations were good. It gave them the elements they needed to get started in real life after school. I don't see that happening in academia today, in public education today. And there are millions of other parents that feel the same way and there is a huge move on now. It's swept across the nation over the last two and a half, three years. We need to take the money that we taxpayers are paying that is earmarked for the public education system, we need to take control of it again. Why is that? Because educators are paying millions of dollars not for our education, but to the unions, the teacher unions. And the unions are writing the rules about academia and everything to go with it. And the labor unions, the education labor unions, there are two big ones, I can't remember their names, but there are two big ones. They're in the tank for every evil current Crazy thing. They're for it, and they're promoting it. Critical race theory, transgenderism, taught to young kids. Textbooks that teach all of this stuff. Textbooks that teach that U.S. history is not what is real. The real stuff is the 1619 Project which says the foundation of the United States was the bringing of slaves here from Africa. That was the beginning of this country. And there are more and more and more things that the education system has absorbed, and they're teaching it to our spongy children in public school. I don't know what the number is nationwide. Bill Maher He talked about the dollars and cents in one state, I believe. I think it was actually California. How much does the state government in California spend on public education per student? How much do they spend every year? $18,000. In Louisiana, it's $12,000. I ran the numbers about two years ago. It's, I'm sure, up even now above that. Now, all six of my grandkids went to private school and are going still in private school a christian school same one by the fact, by the way think about what would happen if more state legislatures would pass and implement school choice it just happened in Iowa what that means is teachers not teachers but parents get a voucher a voucher for the cost of their kid's education. Let's say in Louisiana it's $12,000. They get $12,000 and they get to pick what school their kid goes to. And parents make that decision, not the labor unions. Isn't that the way government's supposed to be? People of the people, by the people, and for the people. I'm all in for school choice. You should be too. Capitalism will determine which schools survive and which ones fail because parents are going to take that money, that voucher, and put their kids in the best school that they think will be what their children need, not the public education bureaucrats. We are out of time today. My goodness, Wednesday. It's hump day. You didn't even hear from Clyde the Camden.
3: Here is Nickelback.
1: And so we're going to end with one that I know you know this. Who is it really done by? Well, here's Nickelback. Sharp-dressed man. See you tomorrow.
0: I'm this man